The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. Patrick Henningsen and TNT. All right, folks. Welcome. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to TNT Today's News Talk. I'm Patrick Henningsen. Your host, thank you for joining us. Appreciate you guys. we got a powerful program lined up, just getting started here on Monday. We've got a lot to cover, and we're going to get some help from some of our great friends. Our great colleagues are going to join us uh, on the live link in the first and second hour. One of the big stories that uh, hit over the overnight, actually, Elon Musk uh, has been summoned to Israel. This is an interesting development, especially for users on X platform. There's been a lot of calls by the ADL and other sort of pro-censorship organizations to clamp down on what they call hate speech uh, on Twitter, for now known as X, formerly Twitter. And so Musk has been summoned for a tour of the kibbutzes. The, he's t- doing the October 7th tour. Um, and he's there at the pleasure of Benjamin Netanyahu, one of the most unpopular uh, pol- political leaders in the world, certainly in his country's history in Israel. And there's Musk over there as BB holds court. And with him as his guest, we're going to talk about this with journalist uh, Iyara Madarelli in the first hour. And she's an investigative journalist, experienced international reporter based in Spain uh, at the moment. She's got a very interesting take on this because she's been following the media coverage very closely since this latest phase of hostilities broke out in Gaza on October 7th. So Yara is going to be joining us. I'm looking forward to that conversation. She's got some very strong opinions uh, on this, and I think a lot of people do. So this will be an interesting conversation, very important one too. The timing of it is pretty incredible, to say the least. But uh, listen, now, in the second hour, um, we're going to have an Incredible conversation, I predict, with one of the most uh, insightful persons we've ever had on this program, Dr. Piers Robinson, is going to be joining us in the second hour from Germany. Now, Piers is uh, one of the foremost experts in propaganda. I think you can say that probably in the world. His work is uh, legion, uh, and his group is incredible. The Organization of Propaganda Studies his 9-11 working groups, as well as his working groups on Syria and propaganda and media. Piers is going to join us. An interesting rift is formed with the, I guess you could call it the so-called freedom movement, which sprung out of COVID, the anti-vaccine movement. And then what's happening right now in the Middle East, in Gaza. There's been a bit of a rift here, and it's a bit of a narrative rift that's driving this uh, division, or at least it seems like it's division. He's going to address and look at one of the, some of the reasons for this and, and look at ways uh, in which we can close that rift. And I think this is a very important conversation, and uh, Piers is really one of the best people, I think, in standing back and giving an objective observation of what's happening, because a lot of us are being pulled in different directions. We're being told to take a side Certainly everyone has their biases, that's for sure. But we'll be looking mainly at the power of mainstream media and government in shaping narratives. So it's going to be a very important conversation. I look forward to that very much so in the second hour of this live broadcast. Again, I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. Hello to everybody in the TNT chat community. I love you guys. Keeping it real there. Let's get some more people in the TNT chat community. 
If you're listening on the URL, tntradio.live, or you're watching us on video as well, pull up a browser and get involved in the TNT chat community. We've had uh, usually over 100, 120, 100, up to 130 last week uh, in our chat bar. It's a really great crowd, great community that's shaping up in there. And that's where you'll find a lot of the interesting links and a lot of the opposition research that I think this show has become very well known for and we have a great community a lot of regulars in there a lot of usual suspects and dare i say some semi-professional troublemakers that populate our chat room and we love them all and all of their motley crew and the various stripes political stripes differences of opinion certainly we've got it all that's where you want to be during this show and any show on the network on TNT, you want to be in the chat box, the chat community, because that's where all the amazing people hang out during these broadcasts. But if you're watching on the live stream, we are uh, in live video mode now at TNT. So that's adding a new dimension, certainly, uh, to the content, the broadcasting, and the shows, the great programming on this network. So we're very proud uh, to be rolling that feature out for our listeners, just to give them a little bit extra now. A lot of people like listening at their leisure on audio, either car stereo. You're not going to be watching video while you're driving, I hope, but you can pump it in through the Bluetooth on your smartphone uh, or your tablet. So that's something that a lot of people have become accustomed to uh, this year. So great to see our listenership, our viewership growing uh, by the week, actually. So really proud and very happy to host you. Now, in terms of breaking news, the, the Musk story, Musk uh, goes to visit Israel at really the worst time possible. But we'll talk about that with our next guest. But the, 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 the ball of wax that is Ukraine, okay, it is really coming undone in such a drastic way. And you're starting to see uh, a lot of troops refusing uh, to serve. And the generals in the Ukraine, Zeluzhny, the head of the Ukrainian Armed Forces, is having very visible public rifts with Zelensky. President Zelensky's tenure looks like it's looking more and more precarious as time goes by because they really don't have a strategy for victory. Even the Western think tanks are all lining up saying there's no way we can win this war. That's pretty much the end of it. There's also messages and communique that has been revealed in reports uh, that the funding will dry up for Ukraine from the United States in 2024, and it'll come to a screeching halt in 2025. Think about that for a moment, because 2025, we'll see, uh, hopefully, we don't know, anything can happen in America, we'll see a new administration in power in 2025. The election cycle will run through the coming year. We'll have the election in November of next year. And they'll swear in a new president in January of 2025. Who will that be? Will that be President Trump? Will that be President Gavin Newsom? Or perhaps even an outside chance it might be President Biden if he manages to stay in office uh, through the election cycle, which many people doubt that he will. His health is fading, as is his memory and his ability to articulate basic sentences and concepts. Nonetheless, uh, there's going to be a changing of the guard in the White House. And that is an opportunity, whether it's a Democrat or Republican, that is an absolute opportunity for uh, a change of course 
in U.S. policy vis-a-vis Ukraine, maybe even vis-a-vis Israel. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Definitely Ukraine is now on the chopping block in terms of uh, sinkholes for U.S. public funds. And they've been dumping hundreds of billions in there. It's been very profitable for the defense industry. Let's not kid ourselves. There's people very happy in Washington, in the Pentagon, in NATO, they're very happy with how things have went. They really don't care, and this is the sort of craven aspect of it that is a bit unsavory, but they don't care about the fact that Ukraine has, by anyone's account now, last month lost 13,000 troops. Not good. All conscripts, that's even worse. 400,000. 400,000 soldiers of various ages, but you know, in terms of eligible fighting age males, there's not that many of them left. Uh, in Ukraine. There are some doing essential and key workers. They've been able to stay in their jobs. They've been able to get deferments from serving, but everybody else, especially those in the sort of lower income brackets, have basically been purged by the Zelensky regime in the name of NATO. And this is sad. It's going to create a demographic time bomb for what's left of Ukraine. I say that with an asterisk, what's left of Ukraine. If it continues along this current trajectory, Ukraine will surely become a rump state on the fringes or the borderlands, no pun intended, of Europe. And that includes the loss of Odessa and their coastline, the last remaining coastline, in fact, for Ukraine uh, along the Black Sea coast. That's if they continue along this losing trajectory. So the U.S. might try to arrest that outcome, uh, let them retain a coastline by calling, calling it quits this proxy war. So the, I think the election is going to offer the platform in America to do this this pivot. There'll still be some funding in 2024, but I think this is going to be pulled back drastically in 2025. And this, again, the U.S. will try to hand over the responsibility of keeping this new Iron Curtain up in Europe with their NATO member states. And the U.S. will have its bases, of course, in Poland, anywhere else where it's managed to colonize, be it Romania or any other locations uh, along the the new Iron Curtain line, uh, which the United States has erected along with NATO. So that's what's going on regarding Ukraine. It's going to unravel very quickly and continue to do so. There's also the issue of Biden corruption, which is tied to Ukraine. Joe Biden Hunter Biden and George Soros and the rest of them. This is a big story. This is in front of the House committee right now, the special investigative committee. They are going to continue moving on this. There probably will be articles of impeachment, and this will probably happen after Christmas. A lot of people believe the evidence is overwhelming, and it all leads to the top echelons of the Democratic donor class and even Barack Obama himself. Joe Biden will just become a incidental character by the time this one blows up. And the evidence is emerging and it's pretty damning. It was always there to begin with, but the media will have no choice but to cover it and it will become part of the historic record. It's going to be devastating for the Democrats during the election. Surely it's not going to help the Biden campaign.
So that's what's shaping up with America. It's all tied to Ukraine. Think of Ukraine as a giant anvil with the Democrats tied to it as that anvil gets chucked into the Black Sea and down goes the Democratic Party machine with it. That's exactly where things are heading at the moment. Unfortunately, if you're a Democrat, I can't help you. We can't provide any good news here. It's only going to get worse by the looks of it. Anyway, let's take a break with TNT, today's news talk. I'm Patrick Henningsen, your host. When we come back, let's find Find out what Elon Musk is doing in Israel with his new friend, Bibi Netanyahu. All this and more on the other side. Stay right there. TNT Radio's James Freeman. We have new revised figures from the Office for National Statistics showing that legal, that's not illegal, that's legal, net migration to the UK has witnessed one of the largest increases on record. Three quarters of a million additional people are now living in the UK in the space of just one year. A huge number that comes just three years after we left the European Union. Now, I didn't vote for Brexit um, because of immigration. I voted because of democracy, but millions did vote because they think too many people are coming into the country, which makes what the government has allowed to happen an absolute two fingers up to the people and democracy. Another example, if we needed another, of how the government does the exact opposite to what the people want and vote for. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk Ladies and gentlemen, today's news talk. News and information. TNT Radio. All right, welcome back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to TNT. Today's news talk. I'm Patrick Henning, senior host. Thank you for rejoining us. We're still in the first hour of this live broadcast. If you're listening or watching in video in Technicolor, we welcome you to the program. Now, let's shift gears here. And the big story overnight is I'm quite surprised this is actually happening at this particular time. I can't think of a worse time to go on holiday uh, in the eastern Mediterranean uh, and to the Levant and the coast of Israel. But that's where Elon Musk is headed for his uh, R&R. I think he's busy, though. He's working there, meeting with Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, one of the most unpopular political leaders in the world right now, and definitely the most popular in the history of his own country, uh, of Israel. And so what is Elon up to? Let's look at this situation a little bit closer. I'm going to welcome on to the stage uh, journalist, international reporter, uh, Iara Madurelli. She's based in Spain right now in Europe. She's joining us here on TNT. Iara, thank you for for being with us today. Thank you so much, Patrick. Um, you know, this visit really uh, didn't surprise me. It didn't really disappoint me. Um, I think I was expecting Elon to do something like this. We know that, you know, he's been facing uh, a bunch of accusations as of late that he was, quote unquote, tolerating anti-Semitic messages on X. We all know that uh, tolerating anti-Semitic messages on X really just means uh, Palestinians are for the first time getting a voice on a platform that isn't as censored as mainstream media. So 
uh, now X has resorted to using this uh, the term hate speech in a very, very liberal way. And uh, it, it creates the censorship. It creates, uh, it quells any criticism of uh, Palestinians. And so, um, of course, in this case, anyone who speaks out against Israel is targeted. Um, and this label is attached to them. And I mean, we saw this happening to, to Jeremy Corbyn. We saw what this does for, you know, people's careers. And uh, it has done a lot of damage in the past. And I think um, his visit now to Israel is, is very significant uh, for that reason. No, it is. It is. The timing of it, um, the, the way the media is covering this, Yada, is incredible. Um, the Rolling Stone, for instance, is <laughs> saying Netanyahu welcomes Elon Musk to Israel after anti-Semitic post. So like a, a publication the size of the Rolling Stone, that they boiled the whole uh, event down to apparently they're saying because he replied to this tweet, Musk, um, which I thought was a pretty th ridiculous throwaway reply on his part. I wouldn't have uh, recommended that he tweet that, but he's sort of dabbling in the alt right. Um, they're saying that he's he's they're almost admitting that he's been summoned to Israel after this tweet and of course there was a massive adpocalypse as you know yada where uh their brigading began you know, led by the adl and others of advertisers to pull off of x twitter i think they lost something like anyone's estimation i don't know if you heard 500 million half a billion dollars in ad revenue immediately that week after that so so what why is he going is this to try to uh you know curry favor with the Israeli lobby, which is doing a lot of uh, brigading uh, against advertisers on this platform. Is this one thing he's doing here, like an act of contrition, to borrow a uh, Christian term, religious term, or is is this more, is this, is this Israel trying to get a hand on the censorship aspect on this platform? And what are your thoughts on, on these, these two angles? I think both. I honestly think both. We know that is Elon is a businessman. Um, a couple of uh, weeks before October seventh, he did meet with Netanyahu, and uh, part of the the reasons behind this meeting were investments. So we know that there's a money aspect to this. We know that Elon Musk uh, is a businessman, and so he knows which field to play, kind of on these sides, um, and he'll follow the money, as do all businessmen. Um, we also know that you know these twenty seven lawmakers. I think U.S. lawmakers wrote uh, this letter to Musk, right, and to Linda Yaccarino about this tweet. And I think that um, what they said was that, that Twitter is, uh, quote unquote, glorifying barbaric acts of violence against Israelis, which is just absolutely ridiculous um but i think it's 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 um it's a little bit of a of if you look at it holistically netanyahu needs twitter on his side he is completely on a global scale losing the court of public opinion and he's desperate and in this desperate attempt he's now meeting with musk you know a uh, parallel we see you saw in argentina we had Millet voted in just now uh now we find out argentina is going to be used for a lithium mining project and also uh uh 
Millet in the first chance he gets declares himself a Zionist. I mean, I think the point is that um, people are, on, on the one hand, losing trust in mainstream media. And so we're witnessing these super embarrassing methods and lies that they've used to cover the entire genocide, to cover uh, 60 plus war crimes, probably more more around the 70 scale. This was a week ago. So I think that's why, it, why Netanyahu and Elon are aligning themselves. Um, but I also think that we know that he went to the kibbutzes. They're, they're doing this weird museum style show where they take people through the kibbutz where they can film it and whatnot. And then they show, show them a short film afterwards. Um, tell me if this isn't some sort of weird indoctrination that is happening right now. I mean, to me, the, the, the things I heard on the on the space were just so outlandish. Uh, Netanyahu was saying monsters, that Hamas are monsters. They're coming uh, at people, beheading women, beheading men. They're still going with this beheading problem, uh, story, even though it's been uh, debunked a million times. We found out that Israel fired at their own people, that most of the people that, that were fired at on October 7th uh, were actually sergeants. This is something that Israel has posted themselves, that there was no real Hamas base, that this elaborate CGI video that they made, you know, there's so many things that I can debunk right now. And um, the, the wording that I heard just really, it's like it's October 7th all over again. And um, and it's outrageous. And we one thing that we know is that Israel and Netanyahu know that in order to intervene more and to continue carrying out this mass scale genocide to build the Ben-Gurion Canal um, and, and to, to just benefit financially from their strategic positioning, um, they know that they must sell the narrative that Muslims are all terrorists. And so we see this happening uh, first after October 7th on a mass scale, then Palestine starts coming into the picture and, and we start using Twitter to actually show the world the reality of what's happening so they can speak directly to Palestinians, they can see it directly on a not so censored platform. And now Netanyahu realizes Twitter is the biggest thing that is going to make him lose this information war because it's where the people are and it's more of us here and mainstream media trust is at an all-time low so of course now he needs twitter more than anything he needs the 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 elites on his side in every sense to win this information war so i think this is a a, a very strong desperate attempt and if if uh, if you know we want to win the information war and want to show the people what is really happening in gaza which why didn't elon musk go visit gaza but okay, um, if we really want to show people what's happening there, we got to keep uh, uh, using this platform. But now with Elon over there aligning himself, calling, you know, essentially saying things like, um, uh, you know, these people are beheading women, children, uh, that deliberately targeting civilians. We found a base in the hospital. Hamas said this. One, one of the most outlandish things they said was they will spread to the Middle East. From there, they'll go to Europe and then to the US. We're on one side. They are on the other. So he's trying to create this dichotomy of good versus evil and this is what they always do and it's it's just so sickening we've we've debunked all of this and now they're coming with the second third fourth wave uh, of information warfare and we really need to keep fighting this uh on a constant basis yeah the the I'll, I'll comment on that you know the the clash of civilizations narrative that Netanyahu's trying to paint we're fighting them over here so you don't have to fight them over there it's the same narrative which they basically plastered onto Ukraine that uh, we're fighting the Russians over here so that uh, so Zelensky is 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 waging the brave fight against the barbarian hordes 
from Asia, the Russians. Therefore, we won't need to fight them in America. So let's give him all of our money, give him all of our weapons. And it's basically they're repurposing pretty much the identical narrative here. Netanyahu's playing that. It's uh, it's a talking point, but there's no real reality to it. And on, on the information war, I think you probably noticed as well as a former Israeli PM, Naftali Bennett, admitted that they were losing the uh, hearts and minds, the information war. There's so there are more pro-Palestinian posts on social media, according to the Israeli government's analytics, is like 15 or 20 to one. In other words, for every pro-Israeli post, there's 15 or 20 pro-Palestinian posts. But the difference is, is the Israelis are spending hundreds of millions of dollars to influence public opinion on social media. They're buying pre-ad rolls for YouTube, uh, TikTok. There's ads all over the place that are basically running what's effectively Israeli propaganda to try to change people's minds. But with even though they're spending billions of dollars now, and not just the government, but um, uh, you know international Jewish charities who are emptying their war chest basically in order to you know change public opinion to change the consensus so it's not working so where can they go from here is, is the question this isn't the first time we've seen this the ukraine uh, war they plowed every bit of resources into the information the propaganda war and they've still lost after 18 months so what's to say Iata, that israel is going to be more successful can, can they can they rebound from this deficit on the information battlefield or are you know what's going to happen in six or, or 12 months i honestly don't think that they're going to rebound i think that um they've uh, the people have already uh won in the court of public opinion but i do think and and it does concern me a little bit that, that we do need to keep winning and this is something that you know i think that it, we're, we're gonna have to keep fighting on all fronts and i think we might have to start using uh different platforms or just uh you know continue to speak out on every single uh platform but i do think more people than ever are coming out in support of palestine and once you've seen these uh, atrocities, these war crimes that they've committed um, against babies and women, once you've seen the the, the 15,000 people that have been killed in this nonsensical, not even conflict, just straight up genocide, you can never unsee what they've done. Um, so I think, you know, we, we all know that this started in 2001. Uh, uh, Palestinians and Muslims in general were always dehumanized since then in the media um and and it it has worked for all these years but we see the the and and we see the catastrophic result unfortunately of all of this today with what's happening in gaza um we notice that up until the people didn't take charge of of this information warfare and say no we're not going to believe what the mainstream media tells us just because it's it's written on a headline or just because the bbc posted it we're going to go and verify our information we're going to go and look for people who can teach us how to verify and we're going to archive this information and we're going to make sure that for posterity the truth is uh, is re uh, recorded now it's undeniable the people are are coming together they're organizing they're they're really pushing to get the truth out, but we're up against some really, really powerful people. And I think all this shows me and hopefully shows the world is that it's very clear Muslim lives matter less to the West than white lives. And, and this is uh, this is just 
just the truth. So I think, you know, we 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 may win if we continue as we have now and we uh, we we don't just go to protest, but we actually take more active steps to say, no, we're not doing this anymore. We we organize better. I think we do have a chance to win this. But I also think that unfortunately, um, at the same time, um, you know, the West is essentially strategically placing presidents in different countries um, just now in Argentina. I mentioned earlier, and um, and they're they're sending people like Elon there and indoctrinating him with these uh, videos and whatnot. I don't know what this short film is, but it truly feels like it's probably just a crock of BS. I'm sorry for my French. Um, just a bunch of uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know, just propaganda upon propaganda, as they've done with everything else. Um, what I don't understand is how. Uh, so many people can still fall for the propaganda when there have been more than 30 recorded instances of, of just debunked propaganda. So it's outrageous, but I do think we do have a chance. Yeah, and I'm here with Yara Mardarelli, uh, independent journalist and host of War Unpacked, which uh, broadcasts weekly on the X platform, formerly known as Twitter. And one of the this is obviously one of the big subjects that you cover is propaganda through throughout this uh, phase of the hostilities. You you guys have really done a good job focusing on this, as you said. Uh, there's a lot of crowdsourcing of debunking a lot of stuff that's coming out of the Israeli in, uh, Ministry of Information or the IDF and and know it might sound up someone listen to this who's pro-israel saying this is completely biased but actually there's been too many fake fabricated stories that have been debunked coming from the uh Israeli camp and and they're they're quite they're quite significant stories Yada, because they form the narrative which was really used to justify um what the what many including UN officials and others are calling uh blatant war crimes in Gaza including blatant genocide according to the outgoing uh director of the high commission for human rights the un's high commission he said this is a textbook case of genocide so you know as a journalist i know it's hard to not be uh biased but you can still be objective and if you're objective your loyalty or your let's say your 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 alignment is with the truth you should always be pursuing the truth. So as a, I, I, this is a difficult thing in this, this topic, uh, Eotter, but you know, I tend to be facts led. I follow the facts. I follow the truth as much as I can, or get as close to it as possible. And in this case, to me, the case is overwhelming. It's uh, it's very clear. The, uh, the original October 7th narrative has been severely, severely undercut by eyewitnesses from the Israeli media, uh, Israeli defense soldiers, uh, officials who have admitted that through, quote, friendly fire, they have massacred many of their own citizens on October 7th. But that was attributed to Hamas initially and then that was used to green light the bombing campaign it's since been many of these have since been walked back and new revelations have come to show that uh, hamas isn't uh, guilty of all of the things they were accused of uh on the onset this is not a trivial matter so here's the problem yara elon musk has been summoned to israel and he's he's been taken on the kibbutz tour and I'm, i'm watching the clips of this there's tons of pictures and a lot of the things they're telling him on the kibbutz tour, the quote October 7th tour, are patently false, provably false. But you have to understand everybody, they 
they have the same exact tour in Kiev. It's called the Bucha tour to uh, take politicians from the U.S., actors from Hollywood and so forth on the tour of the alleged Bucha massacre, which has been a very high profile piece used to solidify the West policy in support of Ukraine in this disastrous proxy war against Russia. So if you know, I, this is a number of different conflicts, you'll see the same sort of you know, game, this this charade, this kind of vaudeville propaganda, agitprop theater, I think is a good word for it, Yara. So here's Musk over there. So how does, if Elon Musk is doing selfies with Netanyahu, being, being taken on a blatant propaganda tour and being told things that are provably false, being showed edited video of which we've seen clips of it, and you've probably seen a few of the clips that they show the journalists from the West, and heavily edited and sometimes without context. Like they'll pan over a bunch of cars that are burned out with people inside that might be burned up. Not mentioning that Hamas doesn't have the weaponry to do that to hundreds of cars. Uh, the IDF does. What can Elon Musk do from here? I, is this going to damage him in the future? Because these pictures, and these images of him cozying up next to what is potentially one of the biggest war criminals of the modern era during a time when there is an active genocide er i honestly don't know what to say what how can you come back from this uh your thoughts yeah. on this sorry i'm I'm a bit wound up on this because I, I think it's just a bad move by elon musk like who is advising him in in terms of pr i just think it's horrible optics I don't think it, he's it, thought it terrible. through. Go ahead. Yeah, it's 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 truly embarrassing. Probably the most embarrassing thing I've seen since October seventh in terms of a, a, a figure like Elon Musk um, going to Israel and eating up this propaganda campaign. I mean, um, he could have helped Gaza with Starlink. I know that um, now uh, they said that Starlink satellite units can only be operated in Israel with the approval of Israel, um, including the Gaza Strip. So obviously, we know that that nothing's going to happen on that front. That was the little bit of hope that. I I think some of us had that he would actually step up and do the right thing. Um, now, you know, after his uh, not not just the, the the propaganda campaign and the show, but the Twitter space to which nearly four hundred thousand people uh, tuned in just from this morning alone. Um, one thing that Elon said that that really really disappointed me. He said is it's one thing to revel in the death of civilians and another to kill them by accident. And Israel tries to avoid killing civilians when i heard this I, I just thought to myself all right he's he's far too gone uh he has been brainwashed you know the, who's reveling in the death of civilians let's look at the footage let's look at what's happening uh wh what do you mean kill them by accident they have uh military weaponry that they can use to precisely target wherever they want to hit and you know what they did that the other day uh, killing two lebanese journalists they precisely targeted the car that said press they precisely target people People. So, you know, when they say that they're, that they're trying to avoid killing civilians, I mean, how stupid do we have to be to believe this after 15,000 civilians have been killed? What they say to that is Hamas tries to uh, keep people by by, gun, by gunshot. They tell them not to go through the, the, the corridor. We've heard from Palestinians themselves that they will not leave their land. This is their land. They've been occupied for 75 years. We always conveniently leave this history out. And I'm so sick of seeing this and seeing figures like Elon Musk spreading the, these lies 
it's just so embarrassing. They said that um, Netanyahu said on the space as well that they found the base, right? This this complex uh, CGI video that they made, right? 3D animated video that had this extensive network of tunnels uh, that where Hamas had their base. Uh, you know, it was a kind of multi-story. It was it was this huge thing, right? And uh, and, and what what did they find? A couple of planted guns that didn't match up in the archival footage where we saw that you know there were more guns in the first one and then less in the second so where did that come from we saw so much proof that they are just lying to people and and i am so sick of seeing it they said uh I mean, I mentioned this earlier, but they said that they're trying to incite this fear, saying that 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 Hamas is going to spread to the Middle East, the Europe and the US. I mean, who believes this? These are resistance fighters trying to 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 uh, to keep their people alive and to protect their land, which has been occupied illegally for 75 years. I mean, I, I just it, it really um, upsets me that people just don't do their their own research or read about this and they just eat up whatever anyone tells them and I'm really surprised or not really surprised because Elon has financial uh, incentives in aligning himself with Israel so I'm not really surprised but I am surprised that he would be so so callous and so humanless but I mean again he's a businessman um, and this is this rhetoric that we go over time and time again which homogenizes Islam uh, they try to uh, they try to, uh, to uh, these me mainstream media outlets they want you to make assumptions as readers, and then they oversimplify uh, what's happening here massively. And um, and of course, the way they do that is by leaving out everything that happened before October 7th. And uh, to anyone that's asked, you know, do you condemn Hamas or any of these questions, uh, just ask them back. Do you do you condemn October 8th, October 9th, October 10th, October 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, all the way to today? You know, four days ago, uh, they, they reached a so-called truce. People were still being shot in the streets. So uh, I have no words left at this point. I'm just, it's just so painfully obvious to me how blind the world is willingly. And um, all we can do is continue. Uh, all we can do is really keep fighting the good fight. We know what really happened. Maybe people will wake up uh, a little bit later down the line, like they did when they realized that weapons of mass destruction weren't present um, and, and that uh, 1.5 million Iraqis died in vain. Maybe they'll realize this when more Palestinians die. I really hope that people realize this earlier rather than later, because every single day that you eat up this propaganda and don't question and don't study and don't read about the history of what happened, you, you're contributing. Your hands have blood on them. And, and I'm no longer accepting this, this willful ignorance by people because as we speak, people, people are, are perishing. And no, I'm not speaking of airstrikes anymore. People are going to be dying due to the, the, uh, the terrible conditions that Gaza has been left in. No fuel in the hospitals, uh, way too few aid trucks going through. People have diseases. People were dying of dehydration, of hunger. I mean, there's so much that, that, that was strategically done to keep these people in the worst conditions possible in Palestine to ensure that their genocide and, and this campaign that they that they led since October 7th um, would kill as many people as possible. And they've achieved it. So congratulations. You've killed 15,000 people by airstrikes. And I don't even want to know how many are still under the rubble. And I don't even want to know how many are going to die after this. But it's just unacceptable. And whoever turns a blind eye to this, to me, is just your...
you're complicit in genocide. That's just it. Yeah, I think it's also oh, latest updated numbers uh, from Gaza, um, over 20,000 uh, recorded dead uh, civilians. And uh, out of those 20,000, 8,100 8, approximately are children and uh, over 5,000 women. And uh, roughly, uh, we don't know the exact numbers, but between four and 6,000 missing, uh, still unaccounted for. And those could easily end up in the uh, dead column, sadly. So the numbers are just going to get worse, as you said, uh, Iata. So, I mean, this is a very dire situation, even though there's been a four-day uh, ceasefire. Uh, everybody's kind of, you know, walking away from the issue in America because they say, oh, there's a ceasefire. It's all sorted. We can go back to our, our regular news broadcast, uh, but that's not actually true. I'm here with independent journalist uh, Iara Madarelli. She's based in Europe. We're talking about the propaganda and information war surrounding Gaza, surrounding Israel, and now the West as well. Let's take a break real quick with TNT, today's news talk. And when we come back, we'll delve deeper into this topic. I'm Patrick Kennison, your host. Stay right there. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. I've been in and around politics for over 50 years, so it takes a lot to surprise me, much less shock me. But I was shocked, shocked, not that so many Argentines voted for Javier Malay, but that the Peronist powers that be allowed him to win the election. And the thing that made me the happiest for my Argentine friends is the video that Malay put out where he went down the row of a magnetic board that had all the Argentine government ministries listed and all the irrelevant ones he pulled them off the magnetic board over his shoulder. They're gone, no more. That's exactly what we need to have happen here in the United States. We need Donald Trump back in January of 2025 to streamline our government. We need to move the Department of the Interior actually out into the interior. We need to move the Department of Agriculture to where we commit agriculture. And most importantly, we need to defund and disband FBI and distribute its law enforcement functions to other agencies that have their own law enforcement capability already stood up. We can't have Donald Trump back fast enough. I'm glad that Malay is going to make Argentina great again. We need Donald Trump here to make America great again. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Internet crimes against children in New Mexico are real. And when it comes to protecting your children, the New Mexico AG's office and the ICAC unit are on the front lines. I'm New Mexico Attorney General Hector Balderas. There's nowhere to hide for online predators in New Mexico. We are working tirelessly using state-of-the-art technology and resources to seek out and find them wherever they are. Please talk to your children about the dangers that exist online, social media, games, and messenger apps. It's always important to know who you're talking to. Help fight online predators in New Mexico by submitting a tip today. Political commentator and investigative journalist, you're with Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're still in hour number one of this live broadcast. Appreciate you guys uh, for joining us. Busy news weekend, to say the least. Uh, the four-day truce or temporary ceasefire, uh, which was implemented last Friday and saw a series of hostage exchanges between uh, Hamas 
and the Israeli government. Uh, there have been those exchanges each day, and the the revelations from this have been absolutely jaw dropping. To be honest, to see uh, children uh, coming out of the Israeli prisons uh, and meeting their families after being locked up for years. In some cases, they went in as small children and came out as teenagers, uncharged. So arbitrary detention, or what they call administrative detention in Israel. And this this is an interesting uh, propaganda line as well. I'm here with independent journalist uh, Iyadar Madarelli, uh, who's based in Europe. Uh, Iyadar, this is an interesting propaganda one, because uh, all we hear about in, in the Western media, and we see posters on the walls in New York and other U.S. cities of Israeli hostages saying they're kidnapped, 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 and there's always talk of this, uh, and no one's talking about the fact or wants to acknowledge the fa fact that there's upwards of now, after October 7th, they've incarcerated another 3,000, upwards of nine to 10,000 Palestinians held mostly uncharged, mostly in arbitrary detention, including many thousands of women and children in total in Israeli gulags, in this kind of prison system that is the Israeli occupation forces have dotted around the occupied territories and in uh, pre-1948 Israel borders. So like... Nobody's talking about this. So without that context, when you say hostage exchange or prisoner exchange, uh, you're not talking about the fact that the, Israel has been taking hostages for decades and they number in the thousands, but you don't hear any of this. Have you heard any of this mentioned or any context? Any Is there any Western media outlets that are actually giving context to this story? No, of course not. And they never will. I mean, when it comes to administrative detention, it's also the same with Palestinians die, but Israelis are killed. You know, the language is always very telling. I always tell people, uh, be careful with, with headlines and just make sure that you pick them apart. Um, I, I've learned how to do this uh, a while ago because I wrote my thesis on this. So it's really, really clear to me. And um, I never understand how people don't see what kind of narratives are uh, being portrayed and framed. Um, um, one thing that I did uh, for my thesis was it was a critical discourse analysis. And essentially, uh, I analyzed um, how words were strategically placed to create narratives. And what happens is that when you, for example, uh, in, in, in any news article, say the word Muslim, and then you don't say Muslims are terrorists, right? You say Muslims, and then you say, you know, you finish your sentence. And then in the next or or the, the sentence after that, you'll say the word terrorist. What that does is you your brain then associates one with the other. And so then when you read this over and over again in the news, as they've very intentionally done, this becomes your narrative. And so you accept that. So then again, this creates this structure where uh, Muslims' lives matter less than, than white lives because your brain has really been conditioned over the years by the mainstream media to ensure that you feel that way, to ensure that you you, you dehumanize or, or you just become completely desensitized at what's happening on the one end. And 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 then what ha what's happening on the other side is completely sensationalized, exaggerated uh, propaganda pumped out everywhere. You know, so it, it creates this very, very clear, uh, hopefully, uh, dichotomy for people where they can see, uh, you know, there's people on both 
both sides. But the way that the uh, the media is is uh, reporting the deaths of people on both sides is completely different. Or as you just said, the administrative detention. Why do we have reports of kids being arrested? Why are kids being arrested and thrown into jail on no charges? Why is this called administrative detention? Why are they not hostages? They're hostages. If they get arrested and taken away, ripped away from their families for no reasons and put into jail, under which we have a lot of reports, unlike them who don't have reports that this is happening, that Hamas is doing this. In fact, we have kibbutz survivors, multiple, telling uh, uh, the world and then being censored, of course, but telling the world that Hamas treated them kindly. And this and this is, you can look this up yourself if you haven't seen this yet, um, if you're in the audience. But on the other end, uh, people in administrative detention in Israel, there are reports and investigations and claims that people are getting raped, they're getting murdered, they're getting thrown into these jails for no reason. Um, and, and, and we have at over 10,000, I think last time I checked, it was uh, 13,000. And this was a while ago. So I don't even want to know the numbers right now. But, um, you know, it's it's just completely dispro disproportionate. The numbers on both sides, the way things are being reported, the world is telling you very, very clearly that Israel and white lives matter more than Muslim lives. And they've done this since 2001, and they're going to continue doing this. Why? Because Israel has been, and Biden says this in 1986, that if Israel weren't there, they would have to invent an Israel to protect their interests in the Middle East. So, you know, they're telling you this. It's everywhere. Um, you understand. You, you, you get. You know, the, the the world needs to understand that this is a, a very um, a much bigger thing than just Palestine. There is a, a canal that they're trying to build through Palestine that connects the India Middle East corridor, and and a lot of money to be made there. So you know, it's it's um, it's very important that people understand the broader context of what's happening and how the neighboring countries come into play here. And it's it's just important to understand it so that people can stop believing this nonsense coming out of Israel that the world is just, uh, you know, endorsing and um, everyone's getting paid uh, to just uh, uh, to essentially either either spew vitriol and hatred and lies and propaganda or they're getting censored and fired and you know any reports that come out about what really happened on October 7th uh, which you know as we know uh, Netanyahu uh, you know it, Israel was it was at the brink of a civil war and um, Netanyahu was not voting well and after October 7th, an emergency government was put into place which allowed him to essentially do whatever he wants to do now but they haven't been happy with Netanyahu for a really long time. And, and what's happening now is really, really concerning because it, the more investigations uh, come out that, that show us what really happened on October 7th, that Israel shot their own people, that their own people weren't, weren't as many civilians. It was more military personnel. Israel posted the report with the names themselves and uh, all these all these other truths Hamas treated me well but you know on Israel's side there's all these uh, dodgy reports coming out um, that have been proven and investigated but you know there's there's just too much at this point um but yeah I don't even know what else to add to this but I mean uh, just just look at the wording if if you see um 
uh, there's this famous example of someone who typed into chat GPT, uh, do Palestinian lives matter? And then they typed in, do uh, Israeli lives matter? And um, essentially what they said, or, or do Palestinians and do Israelis deserve freedom? Um, and they said, and peace, and they said that, that it's a complex thing when it, when, you know, it, when referring to the Palestinians, but when referring to uh, people in Israel, it said, yeah, of course, everyone deserves to deserve freedom and peace. And that just goes to show you, you know, uh, it, ChatGPT AI, it, it collects thousands and thousands of articles and puts them together and summarizes them. So you can see for yourself uh, how uh, how much propaganda there is to literally have uh, AI tell you that one life matters uh, less than another. Um, so, yeah, I mean, wording is everything and they know the media knows this. And so they use it very uh, strategically and intentionally. They'll, they'll show you what's happening in Palestine. They'll show you partly right in, in whatever, whatever suits their agenda, but they will show you. But the thing is, they'll desensitize you along the way and they'll feed you headlines that will create a narrative um, that they want you to believe. So it's uh, that that's how they salvage themselves by saying, yeah, we we do report on Palestine, but really they're doing it in a very strategic way so that you don't get the full story and uh, and that you always forget that this goes back seventy five years. And another part of the story that's uh, routinely omitted is the fact that uh, there are a significant number of Christians in Palestine as well, that Palestine is a multi-ethnic, multi-religious uh, group of people. So it's not even exclusively Muslim, although the West tries to paint it that way, I think. Israel's very keen to paint it that way uh, because they want to keep that polarization because they know that works in the Western media. But uh, when you start bringing up the fact that uh, Christian churches have been targeted and destroyed, Christians have been massacred by the Israelis, Christians are being... Uh, detained arbitrarily, including children and so forth, um, then all of a sudden it, it would become very complicated for the West because they won't be able to tease these things apart. So so how do they deal with that? They just ignore it. They just don't talk about it. They just don't cover it because it complicates things. And then again, like you said, Iada, it humanizes the Palestinians. It makes them more like Americans. And that's the last thing I think that the, uh, the, the interests that are very keen in framing these narratives don't want that to happen they don't want that humanization to take place uh but we got just a couple minutes left we're going to break at the top of the hour Iyad, i really appreciate you joining us um i'll give you the floor for the final two minutes but what are your final thoughts on where things are at right now uh I honestly i wish i could tell you i think uh today changed a lot um i'm, I'm unsure uh whether this is going to uh, create uh, a shift in the public narrative. I really hope it doesn't. I really hope that people realize what's truly happening and how all these uh, these kind of elite people in the world are coming together, uh, all in each other's, you know, kind of uh, vested interests, um, trying to spread a uh, propaganda together. I really hope that they realize this about Elon. When it comes to the platform, I am a bit afraid of, you know, uh, us getting censored much 
much more after he comes back from Israel. Um, I wonder if that's going to happen. I, I I don't know, but um, I do think uh, it's it's going to pose a, a little bit of a, a difficulty to people that are using the platform to speak out and to keep spreading uh, the truth. And I mean, journalism and 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 what we're doing, Patrick, it's not a crime. They try to tell you that it's a crime. They try to kill journalists for it, uh, censor them, get them fired. Um, it's not a crime to speak to Palestinians and let them tell the story from their side. There's nothing wrong with it, but somehow the world is going to find ways to vilify people who are doing that. Um, and we just have to kind of persevere and keep going and take our, our resistance to the next level so that we can uh, we can essentially um, unpack this whole thing for all uh, once and for all for the world to see. Uh, they're seeing it more and more. I don't know if this will be a little bit of a backtrack. I really hope it won't. But um, either way, all we can do is continue. And I do have hope for our movement. And where can people find you, Iada? And uh, tell us about your also your show that you run weekly on on X platform. Go ahead before we break. Thanks so much. Yeah, I run a weekly show on Tuesdays uh, called War Unpacked. We speak to expert um, experts that we bring on a panel and we interview them uh, regarding all kinds of topics like geo uh, geopolitics or uh, uh, law. Uh, tomorrow we are recovering um, uh, theology, so that's going to be a good one. Um, and, and censorship and media, we talk to all kinds of experts to unpack this so that you as a, as a listener can really understand uh, a more holistic uh, level of what's happening. But thank you so much, Patrick. Yeah, find her on find X. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, you can find me on X. Yeah, Yara underscore Modarelli. Yara Modarelli, you can find her on that platform. Listen to her spaces. She's got a great team there. You guys do a great job on that program. So definitely one to tune into. Thank you so much for joining us on TNT this week, Yara. Thank you so much. Top of the hour news headlines are coming up, and uh, we got a whole lot more on the other side. It's going to get very interesting in the second hour, trust me, uh, with Piers Robinson as well waiting in the wings. You don't want to miss that. I'm Patrick Kenningson, your host. This is TNT, today's news talk. We'll be back in a few. See you in a minute.